It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro recharge kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero David. No DIY experience needed. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Oh, I was I saying that so. uh, when Rob and I were there for the four shows, I think what we don't realize, even though we didn't get a sketch on in quotes, but being at the rewrite table and being around the office, you can just tell if you're in the game that long like they were, yeah. just by saying we're pitching throwaway jokes in sketches on rewrites, I think just hearing someone talk at lunch or dinner or hearing pitches, mm -hmm. by the end, you can go, they've got game or not. Like oh, they yeah. can tell, like, just from what I heard, the little bits were on the right track with these guys. Cause I'm sure they went to Downey Lauren said, what do you think? Do you want these two clowns back? And then, uh, you know, Smigel <laughs> or Frank you, and Chirp. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something that's important as well. And that, and especially Lauren, like he wants to hire people he can go to dinner with. Yeah. He wants to hire people that really have a high social IQ in the room, and you two qualify for that. As far as integrating in with everybody, you guys had a lot of charm, and you wouldn't over-talk. You'd insert, you know, and so that yeah. part of the reason you're there, besides your great comedy chops, was just social skills. And Lauren really picks up on that, you know? Yeah. You, you get along well. And I just want to say, I'm going to tear up, but Rob... <laughs> Who wrote Il Cantori? Because that okay, well, was that one was of my happened. favorite oh, moments man. I ever did on the show, and I did not I will write tell you, it. that was influenced by an experience that Adam and I had. Well, we First of all, I went over to, I mean, I, it's a weird thing, but like money, how I equate success, you know, is something like my I parents, do. when they spent money on, on a couch, they bought a new couch, and they immediately covered it in this quality, high, thick polyurethane plastic, and they wouldn't let, when they still wouldn't let us sit on it. Because it, it was a really nice couch. Oh, you could. So that makes sense. Like, yeah, I got so that. So that was like, you know, we have money for a couch now. Don't don't fuck it up. This never. is our couch. Don't oh, spill yeah. shit never on it. Never sit on it. Don't, don't even it. look at it. Use it for guests. And when yeah. the guests come over, and if they're special guests, we'll unzip the plastic. So I'm always, so that's the way I equate, like, you know, f you know fame and success as a couch. So I went over to Adam well, Sanderson. Well, how do you connect that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't get it unzipping the plastic. We're there. Unzipping. So okay, I went over to an unzipped brand new couch at Adam's. I said, he must be making money. This is a new couch. It was like a little and so and then so we started you know by the oh. second season we're making a little bit of money so then we take we had girlfriends too which is another sign of success mm -hmm. one of the yeah. reasons well let's be honest we really got into wanted to get in the show business because I like you know when I played trombone and in, in the, the marching band and in high school I said this is not not a gonna get dropper. me a supermodel this yeah. is not gonna anywhere close I said what is it gonna do what can I do better than this so and well, so we will stand for, up for a second for the Lonely Hearts Club that I was part of once you are forced to act confident, stand on a platform, yeah. and dominate a room, even if you're just pretending, your stock goes up with, <laughs> with young girls. So it is, it is a Xanadu. It is I like, like a certain comedian, like Norm MacDonald, like, you know, yeah, you got about 45 minutes to close the deal when you're done because, you know, the women, the power, it, it, it depreciates after you're on stage. It's like, Jesus, this guy's like a scientist about getting laid after getting on stage. Well, the power move is at the other cafe where there this girl that you couldn't even talk to in high school is flirting with you and then they're announcing your name i gotta go 
Yeah. You know, oh, you, but anyway, go back to your nights. story. Sorry about so that. So anyways, I'm at Adam Sandler's place. He's got a new couch and I go, well, this is, well we have, we've changed. <laughs> nice. And yeah. then we have girlfriends, good looking girlfriends. And all of a sudden, so we go, uh, so we go to a place that we wouldn't have gone the first season. Cause I remember like uh, he lived, he, he, he had, um, his dad knew somebody who had like a, so he had like a couple of months for the first time, the first season at SNL, just mm-hmm. in case it's not, you know, wasn't work out above this restaurant on Madison Avenue. And it was a little, little apartment that he mm-hmm. got for like the, you know, for a few months. And I remember the place was so expensive downstairs. It was like a, the turkey sandwich was $17. And he what said, the fuck? I said, we'll split a turkey. Jeez. I said, you and I will we'll split a turkey sandwich. Yeah. And then we'll just we'll eat downstairs. And it's one of those fancy places. So you kind of, it's cool mm-hmm. to hang out there. So by the time we started making a little bit of money, yeah. uh, the second season, we take the girlfriends, we go to Little Italy, let's show off a little hey. bit. And these Italian guys <laughs> were kissing this. the girls. There we like, go. Okay, hey, how are you? Oh, and they're kissing your girls. Your girlfriend, they're kissing hey, her girlfriend in front of you. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, so they're kissing, yeah. them kissing and up and down. And, 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 and you know, and, and the, the hug also seemed like, you know, the hug was also very oh, you know, familiar. Yeah. Yes, oh. it was like ah, and they, they just Welcome. met them, and we go like, well, you know, we're happy to be here, but it was a little odd. But yeah, so, but that sunk in something really to Adam's psyche about that, and um, I remember he went off. Um, and I had a great office on, on the 17th floor that actually you could see the Empire State Building. It's like, nice. this is ridiculous. This is like, this is yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's all How did incre- I get it's this? It's all incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. So, and then, and just being on the 17th floor and go like, who, did Aykroyd have this office? I was always, yeah, you know, yeah, the history yeah. of the show. And then, um, uh, so Adam came in with Robert Smigel and they can't, they can't talk. And they're literally like it's two o'clock, two thirty in the morning. Just I was when, about when to say, good, it's got to be him and Smile. That's when the 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 um, the good stuff starts to come because yeah. the structural side of your brain gets really really tired, and so the goofy tired. side yeah. takes over. Yeah, and so these guys are coming in and they're literally giggling and and just falling over. And they just literally hand me this piece pieces of paper, <laughs> and it was typed at that time, so they yeah. got it typed and they handed it to me. And they're watching me, and I'm reading the the sketch. Bellissima, where they're the kissing and Italian they watch me. They watch me just to make sure that they weren't just being goofy Crazy. themselves. Yeah. Then they watched me, and I reading it, and I, I fell on the floor, rolling, uh, laughing. Mm-hmm. And they said, "We got something here." God damn. And then Adam and I, you know, we know that Dana was gonna murder. Yeah, you, you have know. to bring in the he, big yeah, guns. Yeah, Dana would would have an, another player. level of commitment. Which is like there was a level of commitment. You expect this, and then Dana would would just you know would just would go off. But the, it, off was, the it, was, it was pennies from heaven for me because <laughs> you have to write a lot of stuff. But when you get something handed to oh, you, that's a crusher. It's physically funny and in every other way funny. You almost can't for people. Yeah. It's a, one of the most famous sketches in our era there, where they the For Italian sure. waiters are kissing and and then you know you being one of the Italian waiters, you come by and you, you lick uh, Kirstie Alley's face. face. She was a gamer. She, she's what I call a broad. She was great. She I licked that. the shit out of her face. I said, yeah. "Are you okay with this?" She goes, "Oh yeah." And so I was like <laughs> making a meal. She knew out of she her was face. in a fucking crusher. She's very cool. And then Adam was like, you know, we shared a dressing room for years and. He said, and he looked at me, and he's a you know bit of a hairy guy, and he's he's got one of those those <laughs> ho- hockey legs, you know, like yeah. the northeasterner kind of guy. Yeah, he's got hockey legs. ass, you know. He's yeah, like, yeah, he should yeah. be playing, and yeah. he's actually Chunky. a pretty good skater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's actually like we during like um, the the second season. I remember we we're walking to go to get something to eat, and it was it was <laughs> snow in the street, and he would like run out. And during a stop, when there was a stoplight, and he'd get behind a cab and sneak behind a cab, and he'd let the cab pull him. 
And, and, and have his, and, his shoes know, on the ice? Just his tennis shoes on the oh, ice. Oh, yeah. And then he would like, oh, and then he, oh, and shoes, and then, but he wouldn't, he, he would handle it and be just good skater. Good guy. And I went like, shit. Yeah. And I said, dude, you're famous. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get smashed. He didn't need anything extra going on. He already had everything going on. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> then, so then he also can do that. And, and then he asked real. me, he says, so he said, um, should I, um, should I shave my pubes? And I went, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just knew it was going to grow back and he was going to be in agony for a couple of weeks and I was going to enjoy that. And yeah, so I'm, he's <laughs> preparing, he's got this like diaper on before and he just blew Oh, shave the pubes for the and, bit. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he, he's there before, Not we're in the dressing you. room and he said, should I shave my pubes for the Italian waiter's bit? Because he comes out in a diaper basically with, a, with his ass hanging out. And I said, absolutely, yeah. Adam. Yeah. Shave yeah. the shit out of that. And then he did and then, um, and I came out and I was ass naked and that was when the, the censor- um, who was the time in our era? Andrew Brewer. Andrew Brewer said, yes. please don't show your ass. Please, please, I beg you, I'll get fired. Please, 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 I beg you, beg you. Because they were laughing so hard, when, especially when you were humping Victoria well, how, Jackson. I want to ask from your point of view about that, because how did we get to that? Where I go as the waiter, I lick Kirsty's face, I do all the lava bit, I go back, and somehow Victoria and I are having some debate or something, then I lean her down on the table. <laughs> did I do that in the dress show? No. I did. You didn't. Okay. You, you, what happened was like a lot of times you take something, oh, this is funny. Let's do it more and more. Yeah, yeah. And by the, by the, by the dress rehearsal, it was screamingly funny. And mm-hmm. then it was another level. And then Farley also was like, was <laughs> humping the window at the end. Yeah. So it was a thing. And then it was one of the, <laughs> I forgot Farley yeah, was in Farley. One of the few sketches and, and the, the, the biggest tag of any sketch I was ever involved in was usually you don't have a good ending for something. Right. But, but Kevin Nealon, who was the date of Kirstie Alley said, oh, let, let's go to a, hey, this this is too much. Let's go to the, the this is a Greek restaurant down yeah, the street, yeah. <laughs> which is like, oh my God. And it was a screaming laugh at the end. Mm-hmm. I remember being four feet away from you, four mm-hmm. feet away from um, uh, from Adam. And we're looking at each other with that slight little grin. Because I never liked being one of those guys who ever broke. I never yeah, broke. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't respect I it. It wasn't broke. part of the tradition of mm-hmm. the SNL. And I know that they did after we left or after my years there. You're not allowed not to lie. But I looked at him and there was yeah. a look on our face like- we Holy couldn't shit. hear each other do our lines. Yeah. But we knew it so well right. that we like, it's just murdering. Like, especially when I came out, it was a scream when I came out because I showed my escalating. ass came out. Are you, you, know? Know? Yeah. you come out naked. I came but out you naked. you came out so <laughs> centorial and so straight and so no sense your ass is hanging out. You're just, you're bare and you're just <laughs> yeah. acting so regular. It yes. Was that, that, was a, that, that was something that the audience had never no had, hadn't seen at it. all. Yeah, yeah, which is so good to not comment on. Yeah, nothing. And just commit to the stuff, you know, which mm-hmm. was what you need to do. But there's a little bit of you're enjoying it also. It's always behind the eyes. When I had Victoria's yeah. legs in the air <laughs> and I'm having a kind of an argument with you guys, what the, what the hey, what are you doing? What the, and that's going, and I can't really even hear myself. The audience yeah. is roaring because of the visual of it. Victoria, of course, was such a gamer. Oh, yeah. And that was a perfect part for her. So you guys wrote... And produced a perfect sketch, basically. That one was the best one. I mean, that there were some some that were um, some just stand out. Some just like, well, that was. There's just there are things that are you can't deny. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece. At the best price, I hate to say it, price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at 
prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right, and David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman, or <laughs> or, or bring out, or bring out mm-hmm. her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David, they're available twenty four seven by phone or chat to answer technical questions. Like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hot cakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm-hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm-hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to bluenile.com today that's bluenile.com another thing that a little gem that the great dana carvey gave me he was because uh, you're frustrating you don't know how the business is. i didn't know anyone in it my mom was a mm-hmm. was a teacher war survivor my dad had his own trauma in, in his uh in his youth you know the, there's a suicide his father committed suicide so i was raised with i didn't know yeah. anything i had fragile very fragile parents who were also really really had a violent streak to, i don't know what the <laughs> hell i'm doing and i don't know and, and but dana mm-hmm. gave me this thing because you have this fire in you but it's like i tell my own kids i said like and i got luckily beautiful little kids and i said you got a fire in you fire is very instructive it can it can it can cook your dinner but it can also burn the house down you know and dana mm. said very instructive to me i never forgot it's one of the, the things that you, you keep going that what, what did i say no, exactly? you said <laughs> you don't have to let people know how hungry you are mm-hmm. that was informative because it's like i want this fucking thing so bad and all these look at these it's like yeah. calm down said and then you said get so good they can't deny you I you still that. may not get the job. Yeah. But yeah. get so good they can't deny it. And then and then they go, well, yeah, well, that guy's amazing. That guy's great, but we gotta hire the more famous guy. And that that, ca- yeah. that keeps you going for, for because years. Of the club drama. When you're you're starting out in clubs, a lot of drama and you can get into the drama with yeah. the dysfunctional comics. I should be a headliner. I don't know why I got that. And just keep, look at your own feet, stay in your lane, act, and yeah. just become undeniable. But but, 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 who, but no. who takes you aside and gives you that kind of information? Yeah, it's nice. And then also the witness to it. Like, I said, well, this, and he said, when I, I we had a great drive down to LA one time, stayed at your apartment, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is beautiful. This, this is going to be my future. I'll move down here. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. I <laughs> love it. guy's going to LA. I love yeah. it. And they say, and he's like, no, this, and then like, and I remember it's like, uh, you were on that, that TV show where they like, 
you, clearly the most, you know, I said, this is the most talented guy I know and they don't know how to use him. Yeah. And they, they I, let you have five minutes to do whatever you wanted at the end of that TV series, which where you played a helicopter pilot. Oh, that, yeah. And well, I was like, Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder. I, I never should have done that stuff. That was my own But that's insecurity. just getting a job. You got to get a like, job. Like, because I was so, I, they wanted to have me do a TV show. I, I didn't yeah. quit after that. I just focused on stand-up for the, for the last two years before SNL. But it was really informative yeah. too. I said yeah. like, well, if they can't, He's the most talented guy I know. Yeah. Most talented guy out of, the, out of San Francisco. This this is a guy, and it said like, and if if, if this if, if he's having a problem here, <laughs> yeah. what the hell am I worried about? And that actually was very informative as well. So well, the shit, it's hard, and so that's why when you do a thousand auditions like we did, yeah. you know, and like the thing about what was cool about Spade was he had already done a movie, and that was oh, like amazing because right. uh, Police I, Academy. That, that was yeah. like a an enigma in a in a you know. It's crazy. I was already yeah, on set for ten weeks, and, and but you know, Robbie, we got the balls you had was when things were cooking quicker for you. You got offered a movie, and you said no. I think it was the one with Michael J. Fox in New Zealand, yeah, the I Frighteners. Did, and it was also and was with like, Peter Jackson. I should have said yes, but the script was I terrible. I think it was 300 Peter grand. Jackson. I was like, it was his first American movie, but it was called Abracadaver, which is like, oh my God, oh. that sounds like a career ender. That's the great, oh yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't a great, but no, like I would have. <laughs> no, it was, I think 300 grand because I was more torn up by it than you were. I was like, he's turning the fucking book. But you also and, the boss, right? I saw did some shitty you ones You wrote Copy Machine when we were just being told every day, don't put yourself in two lines. Well, that was a And thing. then you wrote your own sketch and I was like, the balls. And then it got on and I was like, wait, that's even possible? <laughs> well, that's the dangling carrot. Uh -huh. Cause like when Lauren hired us- That was us, too good to- Lauren would say It's a like, little vague, right? You said like, yeah. well, I said, but I want to be a performer. I said, um, we're going to hire you- That'll said, come. Uh, we're going to hire you as a writer, like we, like a, it's a group, mm -hmm. but we're going to hire you as a writer. <laughs> Cause that's what happened. After I got, I didn't do the- didn't meet with him because I went and do a $75 gig and shit my pants. Like I did <laughs> San look. Diego. And San Diego. Then I freaked out. And then, then I really got nervous because then they, they flew us back to New York and we had to perform for the writers at yeah. Catch. And, you know, they didn't laugh once yeah. in the whole time. They just wanted to see mm. if, you, if you're going to get shaken. That's it. Lauren, when I was, he, he pushed me a little bit. Do you have anything else or is it just that? I mean, he wow. literally tried to shake me, not at the club. He saw me at a club, but at, at the little audition. So yeah, that, that is a show that rattles when you, you don't give it up. You don't, you don't, you don't. Yeah, but there was a thing about like, remember when the ears burning off my face? I was yeah. saying, I remember at that point I had to say to myself, okay, you just got annihilated physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every yeah. way you can. And I said, you can't, I said, I just said to myself, you cannot let this get to you. And you have to, you have, I said, I'm willing to let them get to me till here. And it was like my belt. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to let this affect me here, but not all the way to my feet. I'm not going to let that happen. And dick. so like when I was eating it that night, just get through this, man, get through this. They saw you be funny yeah. the other day. Just get through it, get through it. And I walked out of there and I was shaken by it, but not broken. And that was the key because on live mm -hmm. TV, you can't shake. No. You can't be broken. You got to no. stand in there and do it. And it's just the repetitive nature of it and just, just getting steely and getting tough. And then to mm -hmm. the other level, to enjoy it. That's the that's where you want to get to, and that takes took me a little time to truly enjoy it. Yeah, and, and then also to deal with the pressure of it. I mean, because uh. that is a I mean, that's why, like, when we first got there, I remember you and I looking like, what is everybody complaining about? This is the greatest thing ever. Mm. And, like, four years later, it's like, boy, it just it does wear you down. Sure. 100-hour weeks. 
So sure. when you, so they, it's like a dream come true. When you got copy machine guy, what, what was that feeling? Because then you get on the show. Well, when you get there and you see like, wow. Something's popping These people hard. get onto restaurants quicker than me. <laughs> like you got Phil yeah. Harp and you got Dana Carp. You get these murderers row up there. Yeah. And then, um, but you also know, like, I know I can get this. And if I just got to get on there and then, you know, then I remember uh, when the first year, late, no, uh, it was late. Um, in 1990 when Adam Sandler was hired. Hmm. And this is a guy, and it was so cute because his first week was there. We wrote a sketch together. And um, I said, come on, I'll show you how it's done. Like, I know I've been there before shows by then. <laughs> and then um, he, uh, I remember he stayed up all night and his little eyes were puffy. And we wrote this thing for ourselves. And then- Still had the big legs though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to picture Quads. Adam. And we wrote yeah. it, and then uh, uh, they took it away from us, and, and then gave it to like was going to be. Uh, I think oh, it was Goodman it and, and Hart. And they said like, well, I said, well, what do we have to in a gentle, gentle way? Uh, what do we have to do to um, to get on ourselves here? And it was very instructive too. He said, when, and it was down. He said, when you could perform something, when you write something that you could perform better than other people, then we'll we'll get it on. And I said, okay, bingo, I'll come up with something. And I liked writing for other people because I enjoyed also the it's thrill mm-hmm. of like when you performed a piece that was probably the best one I had ever written for any piece. Mm-hmm. And you had a way of like, you would like, uh, it was like a, the wave, a really great comedian as opposed to like a sketch player, maybe could do it too, but a comedian in a big room can ride the wave and before it's coming down, you know, three quarters, two quarters, no one to come in with that other line. And it was a massive hairy head wound. Oh, did so you write that? you're kind of the main architect of that sketch I as wrote well? that. Whoa. Well, that with, with Adam, but that was me. Well, double, double oh, thanks, because I, I was writing a rocket in that. Wow. And of course, what we, we talk talked about, about in the podcast, the dog thing at the end was, you can't beat a dog going dog. <laughs> you can't. Sketch. But the thing about it was the dog in, the, in, in dress rehearsal. Yes. What did you guys do? With the dog in dress <laughs> rehearsal, we said, Sneaky. okay, uh, well, we can't have it rabid, but like it said, they said to us, you know, and I don't know anything about dogs. And they just said, well, if we don't feed it, it's going to, uh, you know, it'll get to do what we want by the time. And anyway, so they didn't, they, they fed it a little bit. So it was curious. It was curious at, at, dr- at, at dress. And it was absolutely Hungry. famished. <laughs> Did you put more, was it baby food you put on the prostate? It was liver baby food. Liver baby food. So we put on, and, we, and we I said, on, I fucking put it on. And I just, I just, I caked on, on there. I yeah. tried it. And it you was did good. a beautiful thing where like, cause it was literally ripping off the side of your head, yeah. which was a wig, yes. a prosthetic with a, 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 a bloody mean, The wound. dog went for it. it basically, a massive it hairy wound. It wanted it <laughs> yeah. on air. It wanted it. <laughs> massive hairy head wound was a guy who should not be at a party, who's at a party and just with a big head wound. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, is getting, everybody is just like, he's trying to normalize it, which is great. Somebody, a crazy person in a room, yeah. yeah, in a situation where yeah, you never trying be. to treat and, you normally. And, right. and, and then he's got this <laughs> giant head wound. They're reacting. And he said, this is a punch bowl. And there's a thing. And then at the end, there's- um, I take a nap. Take a nap. And the dog goes yeah. to town. And it was a one of those things where you're watching it and it's just, it's going really good. And you're just like, oh God, come on, please get, keep going. Keep, keep going. going. Get yeah, to this, get to this. Yeah. And then when the dog literally- Went, I mean, just really went, went for it. Went to get it. Went yeah. to get it because it knew where it was yeah. and was hungry. Mm-hmm. And then you did this beautiful thing where you snuck your hand up on the other side to yeah. hang on. To hold it. And I was in a death you were struggle with And you that were also, dog. because there was like your eye, your eyeball, your literally your right eye <laughs> was is stretching. Is literally, <laughs> you were like four inches away from this very hungry mm-hmm. dog mm-hmm. and you just kind of rode it, rode it. And then you had the the wherewithal to remember to let the audience, as it 
as as that screaming mm-hmm. laugh was coming down to throw in the like. <laughs> yeah, he I smells think my he dog. Smells line. My dog. I think he smells, <laughs> must smell my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you had to yeah. you had to almost yell it. Yeah, I had to kind of yell think it. He... And the thing was is. Back to our generation of not breaking. I, the sketch went so beautifully. <laughs> I did not want it to be about the prosthetic coming yeah. off. Yeah. So by consequence, the the battle extended <laughs> so long that, and I heard someone, Lauren, watching the monitor, which always we always want to make Lauren helpless, yeah. and he was helpless with laughter. But he anyway, Robbie, yeah. I God. What can I do for you? I mean, those are you two. Did, it's the least I could do to pay you Why back. Why did for me? Two great gifts when you do. We, Rob and I both had this problem where, we, you know, you're writing that first year, even second year for me, and you're putting your stuff in even smaller parts, and they go, give that to Dana, give it to Mike Myers, give it to, and you have to keep taking yourself out. So the one way in is update, because you're by yourself, you can try to get something on. That was but Sandler's like, key, was the Eddie Murphy route. Especially the guitar you got and your there. Yeah. And your copy machine, but I think the host was Sting the first time you did it. Well, the first time I did it was with um, Joe- uh, Pesci? No, 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 Joe. Uh, Mantania. Mantania. Mm. And I remember it was so crushed because I finally had a monster. It was one of the things I said when, when because um, uh, Jim Downey notices a kind of like a goofy, too happy to be here kind of attitude, you know, was this. And, um, <laughs> and he said, you got to do a character called the Lurker. It kind of got this hanging around. But the, it, truthfully, <laughs> and I gave him credit, but they truthfully, the copy machine yeah. guy had nothing to do with that, really. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a guy, What the truth of the, the real... Um, that really came from when we first got there to SNL. Mm-hmm. Remember before we got the really good office? Mm-hmm. They gave you, there were so many cast members, I think right. 17 at the time. That we were first there. time a really big cast. There was a yeah. giant cast where literally the crawl of the show was actually longer than like the monologue. Yeah. Because it was like, like 17. And also, yeah. and this, and Coaster, and, <laughs> and the feature player. It was like <laughs> Ellen Cleghorn, and David Spain, and Rosh Schneider, and Adam Sandler. It went on, and Melanie Hustle. And, yeah. um, so it, <laughs> it would go, so we were in like a half of a half an office. Yeah. And I had the cooling and heating vent in mind. So it was either boiling or freezing in there. So I, and I have claustrophobia because I have two older brothers and put me in sleeping bags and closets my childhood. So like I, I, I can't stand in closed place. I hate it. And so I would go out into the, into the main writer's room. And I noticed when everyone's walking back and forth, you can't be as excited the fourth and fifth time mm-hmm. when you just see, you know, Kevin Nealon. So Kevin right. was the one I said, Kevin, all right, Kevin, Kevin. Just your doors open. And he came and played with the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you want, buddy? What's uh, Kevin? You know, and that was it. It was it was like, and I said you. Ha- I had to come up, and then I was went to New Orleans for the weekend, uh, just to you know, take off some pressure. And I thought, like, well, there's got to be a reason why people would come into contact with this annoying person. And they didn't want to put him somewhere else. And I just can't. That's a oh, copy machine. Copies. That was it. Simple, but but I remember like people were laughing so hard at read through, which was like to mm-hmm. me the the real, mm-hmm. the to me the real democ. You know, for, there's no such thing as a democracy in in show business but that was the most democratic thing i've ever experienced if you wrote a sketch it was read in front of everybody and that was pretty damn amazing so if you murdered with everybody chances are usually that's good and i i think that uh i would use the word inexplicability like making copies it's all not a punchline (laughs) you know it's all the absurdity and the rhythm rhythm to it but it's also just kind of a a nerd in an office leaning back 
trying to be friendly. I mean, it works on a lot of levels. Did you comb your hair smile. up in kind of a funny way? Or I you, always had my hair big by that time because it, it was, was just like, like Elvisy. Yeah. yeah. Elvisy. And he's like, he was a guy that you also, he kind of kind of gentle and nobody wanted yes. to hurt his feelings, yeah. but he was also annoying. And so it was a nice combination of uh, this vulnerability. Smiling. Yeah. Too. Vulnerability like, is a like big ability. one. Yeah. yeah. And then people, and I remember, uh, I remember that, like, as I did it with, with Joe Montaigne, and they said, we're going to, we're going to cut it save for time. We're going to save it. And I went like, save it. Terrible. It's, it's, it's my chance. I'm, I've waited all these years. I'm 25. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to make it now. And who's this guy? But the guy who wants to make it guy? <laughs> but how would you not it? give yeah. it to the host? I mean, every the, always the trick is if you write some for the host, that's the best Usually, shot. They knew that well, the, if you could perform it better, that yeah. sing-songiness mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, I mean, man, the rhythm I don't know if it's a perfect guy for that. Right. So and when so did it first kill? Who was, was the host? Sting. 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 Yeah. Well, that, yeah, he's got that all came that. out of the gate. Yeah. And people got into the rhythm early into that sketch. When like was the, the first third laugh? line? Third time? The third line, Kevin. And they said, hey, what's going on? It's a, all right, Kevin, asking me questions. Kevinator. Kevin. And that one. Oh, they laughed. The second one, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. You know, just yeah. there's no new information happening. Mm-hmm. Was he's continuing the conversation. Well, like Sting looked dun, like dun, a fucking yeah, star. Yeah, right. That's it exactly is. That's right. like yeah. a little song, and then <laughs> there you can laugh. And then they found yeah. a spot for it. And then I remember, uh, you know, the great Jim Downey took me aside and said, uh, well, it's the only time, like, they hadn't done it very often in that show where, like, you know, except for, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, their year the weight of you having to open every show for years mm-hmm. was they said, we're going to do, um, we're going to do another one of those. They said, we have a very, very uh, rare thing here, a character that, uh, that people love. And I said, it was a very rare, very, the rarest of things here. And I said, we're going to do another one. And then he had the idea of the copy machine breaking down. And that was the best one we ever did. Oh, I remember. And that was phenomenal. That was like, because you got to see his whole world crushed, oh. crushed, you know, the copy and what, machine. How guy. does he react to that? Oh, what, he what is it's just like, well, they, they're taking the machine out. Yeah. There's no reason for him so to have no one to have contact losing. with him anymore. His world is <laughs> yeah. taken apart. Yeah. <laughs> so what it's really he, So what does he say? You're yeah, sad. You know, it's just, he just got crushed. And then they- and they brought it back in, but you got to see him just like devastated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just remember laughing. But when the first time we did it, the read through, Jim was dying laughing because of the rhythm. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a rhythm of a rhythm of a rhythm. Yeah. And and that by the time it was like, and there was just a a pummeling of it, mm-hmm. and he was dying laughing. And I said, great okay, to make Jim laugh. Yeah. This is the one that's going to yeah. get on. And Jim would give it up. That was the key to it. He was interested in us as young guys, and I think fed off the energy. But also, if he found something funny, he was very generous. You know, that wasn't always the case with people. You know, because you know. Like you know, Jay Leno was like was another influence. Like when Bob Fisher mm-hmm. then was a manager, he said, and I was a young comedian. He said, uh, "You're gonna pick up Jay Leno. He's got a gig in San Jose. You're gonna take him to the radio. And I know you know San Francisco. You're you grew up here. You're gonna you know like the back of your hand. Take him wherever he wants to go." So with Jay Leno, which is a great Jay Leno story. That that's it's an old one. You gotta hear this one. But so I pick up Jay. Just have Jay's, a sign. Jay's very wise. Nice clean car. Yeah. And so. Uh, you know, he picked him and said, hey, so you, you, you drive me to the gang? Yeah. I said, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, so we're driving and I'm not saying anything. I'm just driving mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. um, he said, you know, a good, um, you know, a good Chinese restaurant thing? I said, I know the best, Mr. Leno. So I took him to the, the place that my dad knew was like for wealthy people where they would go. We would go to a different place. He said, just as good food, not as expensive, just as good as that place. So I took him to that place, you know? And he said, well, yeah, come on and eat. I don't eat by myself, you know? And because I wasn't going to go and sit with him, but he yeah. did. And he said, so what are you, a comedian? And I said, uh, 
Yes. I said, well, how much, how, many, how much time you have? I said, I got about eight minutes. He said, good. You know, most comedians ask how much time. I got two hours. And you just say, Who <laughs> yeah. wants to hear two hours of comedy material? You either, have, you either have five minutes of kills every time, everywhere, everywhere you go, any place, or you don't have anything. He's right. That's what you got to get. That's and true. so he said, work on it. So I spent the next six months just only trying to get that killer five, and that was really mm -hmm. helpful. But the Jay Leno story, which is really funny, around that time, he was doing this bit. On uh, on Letterman go. Is it what? What's your beef? Jay? What's your beef? Let me yeah. tell you my beef. Yeah, Let me tell hilarious. you this. Yeah. And he would do this yep. bit, and it was a monster. You know, yeah. like you it and I huge. opened for him. Yes, I opened in 1985. For the two of us. Both of us. Okay. Because I did open for him a few you times. You opened for I was yeah. the opening act. You would come in and you did the you did a half and then he did an hour. Oh, okay. And we yeah. both sat back and went like, wow, this guy just got it was, we have our killer bits. This guy has every bit is a killer bit. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what we said yeah. to each other we were watching. It was at the um what, the, the Palace of Fine Palace Arts. Palace of Fine Arts, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and he it was, was like a professional comedian in the sense that every bit would flow to the next bit and Crafted. he was tagging his McDonald's hey McDonald's trainee how do you be a McDonald's trainee let me get the milkshake for you, you know and it was all killing and it was like yeah. you got to hand that Buick 1955 Buick you know the kind of car you run into a toy he just holds it off and you yeah. run into it and he holds it off and then you go you keep driving yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. smoking a pipe backstage and I got off maybe before a he went pipe. on he always had a pipe Hilarious. for the days and goes uh, hey you need more jokes Mr. Cobby <laughs> he was kind of right because I'm just doing chopping broccoli chopping broccoli so i assume jay would be like you know yeah any more jokes you know so, but, but he right. and he rode a motorcycle onto the stage you bought broccoli. yeah he always was on a motorcycle motorcycle onto the stage you bought but broccoli that's there's it. a funny thing that happened though <laughs> there was a comedian who did an impression of jay early because we can all do yeah. we're all i'm like we third generation jay leno yeah. we all got that you know it's, yeah. it's like you know um once somebody breaks it and then you yeah, can yeah, figure out how to do it everybody has it so there was a guy who did a, a, an early impression of uh of jay and he what he would did back then remember there's like a comedy magazine or a comedy list of when your mm -hmm. spots would you you know yeah. so if you had if you were you know like jay leno or jerry seinfeld you could buy a whole page which is like you know just for laughs newspaper yeah so you can and then yeah. they would promote and it would yeah. hand it out to the yeah. different comic say so, you know and he's playing this auditorium yeah, Civic Center, and like, jerry was another kind of, one way ahead it, of us yeah and yeah. like they were pretty promoting and big mm -hmm. you know whatever and so but what happened was there was a comedian who saw where jay was playing so he would call up and say yeah, he says, yeah, 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 you're gonna, I'm doing my gig, and then, then you know, it's kind of one thing though. When I show up at the airport, you're gonna have to have uh, 25,000 in cash at the airport when you pick me up. And so Jay would fly to this place and they go, uh, Jay, uh, here, uh, thanks for coming, and here's your here's cash. You go, what, what, what's this? And so it's uh, 25,000 you asked for. I didn't ask for 25,000. What are you talking about? Who answered? I'm not. And it's like, and he said, and then, and then he would go to another place, you know, and the guy would call ahead and say, Listen, yeah, he says, yeah, yeah, before I need to, um, oh my God, that's you're gonna have a, uh, I need the 25,000 so in, in a brown, in a brown paper bag, and you have it at the airport. You gotta do it, or I'm not gonna do the gig. And so the guy Weird. would show up, hey, Jay, here's 25,000. What is this? 25,000. What 25,000? Yes, Jay, you, you asked her, you know, 25,000 brown paper bag. It's like, I didn't ask, what the hell's going on here? Let me tell you what you want. Yeah, it's Japanese cars. I gotta go down here. And so what he did was, he called, he finally figured out what was going on here. So he called and said, listen, if you get the guy, uh, calls up and says he's me, just get his number. And then they, so he got his number, this comedian. Uh-oh. Who's doing it? And then he found out the guy's name. And when he, and the, the, the best part of the story, he was going to, uh, he was auditioning for Jim McCauley for The Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. He said, let me, let me know when he's when he, when he, when he going on. So before uh, they bring him up, <laughs> Jay said, let me just go up and do some time. 
So oh, Jay goes up. Here comes Jay. Does 45 minutes of his killer shit at the Comedy Magic Club before this guy goes on mm-hmm. and blows out the room. Yeah. And Jay could blow out any sure. room he wanted and blew it out to there's just nothing left. And then this guy went on after and just ate it and didn't get the show. Wow. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm plead guilty in 78 after Mork and Mindy, I did a couple, you know, hello, this is Robin. I need I need a million dollars cash at the next. <laughs> so, that was the day at Carby's house. <laughs> and then you get, gotta have I, need, a, I need a million dollars. Her. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone? You have questions about your credit card. With twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Oh yes, you heard me right. You can talk to an actual human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking to save on delivery? DashPass from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. I just want to yeah, mention a few these names before we get of our pals, and you can join in because they're listening to this from the old San Francisco. That, of course, the great Bobby Slayton, Mike Pritchard, yeah, Jake Johansson, yeah. Milt Abel, Larry wow. Bubbles Brown, Mark Pitta, yep. Bob Sarlop, Mark McCollum, wow. and many, many more that came up in that early scene with us. Let me and see that list. And, of and Robin, Let me see this Robin list. Williams was the godfather Robin of that Williams scene. Robin Williams was such, I mean, before the internet, before you know, cell phones, Robin would show up at like the... At the Holy City Zoo, and then people on the street would hear about it, and the next mm-hmm. thing you know, it's packed. The people would be running to get in there, yeah, and sure. then he'd do an hour at least. Oh yeah, and Two then he, and then he'd leave. And if the drunk people stayed, then we'd have an audience. And so, more mm-hmm. times than not, they would be the audience would come yep. to see him, and, uh, it was great for and us, hopefully yeah. he'd show up. And more times than not, he did. Because yeah. he was just, just addicted to it and then mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. loved it. And so we had a scene thanks to him. There was like at one point Comedy scene. on one street, on one block, there were three places to do stand-up. Yeah. Who's that? Last Day Saloon had it on like Mondays or on whatever. Clement. Holy City Zoo, yeah. Clement Street and 6th. Oh. And, and Clement. Was, and and then there was a place across the street that would do it on, on like Tuesdays. Yeah. A bar. You yeah, know? We were there pre-clubs. The clubs, the first club got built in 79, proper club. That was the punchline. The punchline. That was like a real, when you did that, they paid you $25 a little bit more that than was, that. That was amazing. But that, but like, and also just seeing like, um, you know, um, there's a, a well, Sarlot. Sarlot had like a real job in show business. Bob Sarlot. He, he was like, on TV, which is like incredible. Entertainment Tonight? 
He was a sidekick for Letterman on Letterman's morning on show. On the morning show. That was like yeah. ridiculous. And but he had like would do spots on TV and was always smooth and yeah. a totally professional guy. Yeah, great. Kind of like comment. had that that kind of uh, the charisma of like a Leno who yeah. just would just settle in. The audience could be totally relaxed watching him. And then um see like Slayton would murder and do yeah. really edgy 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 material that like yeah, and get away with it and just get to the point where the audience is is pushing back because but then yeah. and dance around it and 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 make jokes off uh not apologizing for it. Yeah. And that was a really like very instructive way and he would destroy a room. Like yeah. literally like in the, that I said that, well you have to learn what like a headliner is. You have to learn what an MC is, what like a middle act and you see like you see Dana Carvey is like well that's a superstar but then you see like <laughs> you see Bobby Slayton you solid headliners. Bobby Slayton was a solid headliner is going to work everywhere. And that's yeah. what you got to do. Yeah, but that wasn't my style cuz my style was more off-standing and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Some of those so I was good for 20. My, yeah. I would be good for 10, 15, 20. was interesting and different. Bring the audience to me. and But that's not a headliner. Headliner, you got to go out and you got to pummel and that's different. Yeah. But in the uh, last 15 years, when you've come back to stand-up, you've done several specials, you've done great, you know, that, that, you've then become you a have great, to, great stand-up. You have to change and adapt because yeah. you also have to adapt to what their expectations are. Yeah. Once they, you're famous. They see you, you're famous, copy machine, whatever. They've seen your movies. And also all the movies. Let's yeah. see we mention them quickly. I was going to say, if we're going to wrap up Precious uh, San Francisco, you also <laughs> did... Um, <laughs> SF. Larry Arizona Brown didn't get much up playing this Larry one. Larry Bubbles Brown. These guys didn't move to LA. That was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And they became San Francisco treats. You know, like famous San Francisco yeah, comics. Know them. But you yeah. have to make yeah, the sacrifice and come down and eat shit for a while and audition for a thousand. But a lot of people's like, they didn't want to mess with how no. comfortable things were. I never understood that. Uh, like yeah. making that your thing. Because I think it was Rick Overton who said, uh, hey, the cameras are down there, buddy. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Let's go to where the cameras are. Yeah. You, know? you have to. Rich yeah. Scheidner. Hey, did it, say, it says here you dated Julia Sweeney. I don't remember that. No. Okay. I don't know why. They, that, that stuff like, like it's on the it's like that I would never. You had a phrase called, you can do it. Is that true? Well, the, that was, <laughs> I, I didn't understand that. Adam asked me to be in one of his early <laughs> movies. He asked me to be in like the, to play the part that Ben Stiller did in um, Happy Gilmore. And he oh, said, yeah. because of this playing you this You and Adam have a, a chemistry and David, yeah. you guys are part of yeah. that world. Th there was a Adam. thing where like, there was a comfort level where like, and I finally told Adam, I said, listen, I said, stop. He said, you got to put other famous people in these movies. You don't need, and I said, you, you don't need to hire me for that. I'm telling you, you could hire other, hire Nick Nolte, and he yeah. finally did. And now oh, he's man. not hiring me. He took me up on it. But the, <laughs> but like hire <laughs> people and do these other, you yeah. know. And, um, but, but you beat the shit out of that. That's what I mean, doing a great thing well, with that phrase. A rhythm. So uh -huh. the thing was, he said, there's one line and you could do it and it's, and uh, you, you can do it. it. And it was, it was actually Hurley who came up yeah. with it. And he, and I said, well, what does it mean? He said, just come out we'll figure it out it's a rhythm thing and i'll go like all right so we went out and it was a sing-songy thing of just just a guy showing up yeah who would so yeah. there's that yeah. the fun of the audience knowing that there's some back there's history with yeah, something's happening in the, in the movie and it was and like and i said i'll find a way to do it just do it in different ways and then, you can do it so it was like uh, it was just goofy it, it didn't make sense it was a guy who's not who's inexplicable awesome. that's why yeah. it lasts inexplicable it, it, jokes like chopping broccoli or you can do it just like, go on for decades it doesn't, it's a because it, it's, it's yeah. something that it doesn't need it to be performed that way. It doesn't, no one in the history of the world would say it that yeah, way. Yeah. It's not necessary. It's unnecessary. It's not necessary who, to who say is, it. It's five questions. <laughs> who is that guy? What is he doing there? How did he get there? What, when did he come with his catchphrase? Why is he yelling it? When you can get to five questions, that's a keeper. And auditions. Yelling a celebrity, yelling a shit joke. Yeah. 
Robbie. You can, what's the shit joke? The joke is like, I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. Phil, Phil Hartman. The yeah, three. Yeah. Three. But the five, yeah. that's pretty good. So mm-hmm. that was like, and let's do it in different ways. And he kept, Adam had a genius thing of like, he would keep the audience, they'd always get a laugh in there. And even when it was like a serious part and like the water boy, when he's upset and he throws a, a basket, uh, throws a baseball out the window and it hits the Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel. <laughs> and he got a laugh and carried them out of that scene. Yeah. So he really knew how to, you know, get keep the laughs going in keep there. Keep them going. Absolutely. Pummeling but if you it. go into auditions and then like when we were doing movies and you would have people come in for auditions when you're on the other side of it, mm-hmm. we're casting people. Yeah. And when everyone does a line the same way and then someone does, you can do it, you go, oh. And then you go, have them come back. Because <laughs> that stands out. If yeah. you could, yeah. if you're not going to give it the most perfect reading that everyone's going to give, there's something to that. Rewind it back to the days of chill accent on the beach and all day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prices could be huge. New players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code FOTW to book your one way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted-in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one-time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What did I want to get off my chest recently? Well, it's probably something you got to get off your chest because we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We just keep things bottled up, and then it starts to affect us negatively, David negatively yeah it was something about when i was merging and the people weren't waving back to me and bothered me but you know that th- mm-hmm. that's a small stress but it can be bottled up and yep. get bigger therapy mm-hmm. is a safe space to get things off your chest uh, and how to yeah. figure out well, you know you got to work through whatever's weighing you down mm-hmm. uh yes and i i was in therapy i'm there here and there now but for five years and you know, it does challenge your thoughts because I'm going to, this is kind of, I don't know if this is profound, but you are your thoughts in some ways. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking redundant negative things or sad things or whatever, a therapist can kind of get you out of that kind of negative pattern. So mm-hmm. be the best mm-hmm. version of yourself. Um, you know, and sometimes it can be small things. It can be major trauma. I think either way, mm-hmm. it's good to talk to someone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just mm-hmm. fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist if uh, you're not into it yeah. anytime, yeah. no additional charge. Mm-hmm. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash F-O-T-W today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash F-O-T-W. You got to bring something to it. Yeah, you bring something different. Yeah, bring something on the page. Company like when we did the wrong Missy, wrong. there was nothing in that. I mean, truthfully, there was nothing in that role. 
and wrong, wrong Missy. Wrong Missy for you. Nothing. But yeah. then, like, even Adam called me and said, nah, I don't want you, this is role, but it's not big enough. You don't need to do it. It's, there's nothing. Oh, no, what was you the character helped. that in, in Wrong Missy? He, he asked me. That was funny. He asked me to like to do this thing and, and then he called me up at the last minute and go like, we really want you to do this. And I said, okay, yeah. I'll do it. And uh, I said, but it's my wife's birthday. He said, ah, just, just bring her. And so, you know, so we ended up, my wife came and she was happy to, to go to Hawaii. And it was a fun gig because oh I'm just God. showing up doing a small role. Yeah. At but a small you, time, you always score with my everyone's role. happy to have you there because yeah. Yeah. you're just coming you were to score. Out. Yeah, yes. you were scoring. And then, and I said, "Well, let me figure this out." And I called Sandler. I said, "What if I do it as an Aussie guy?" And I, you know, you could go like that. No, I'm that. And he said, "No." And you know when Adam is like, "No, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, just do it. You know, he's already just he's, fucking he's, do it. He was stretching. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> it's just what I eat. It's like, you know, yeah, all right, all right, all right. We love you. Adam. And so, but then you got to find the thing. And I said, "Well, well I said if you start crazier." to beginning in the beginning of the scene and then you got a place to really go if you were crazy and I said give me sunburned and never and I was yeah. like mm-hmm. overweight and burned right. and fat and bald and I said this is going to be great I don't always commits to yeah. shit. Yeah. and they it's gave great. me a hand that was missing a few fingers and I said yeah, that's right. and it was a the young director and a young directors you know you, you be gentle with young directors but you also have to like you can't listen 100% cuz they you know if you no. went 30 movies in you go I really think this is a better idea than cuz he said like yeah. when you see that shark down there you tell him you know and and he's like you tell him I'm going to Okay, I'm going to carry you know the attitude is to be angry and I thought well let's do the opposite of that you mm-hmm. know and I said okay, just put the camera on I said well, when you see that shark down there you tell him what's up as if he's like happy to see him again even though he ate my hand yeah. and it's, it's just funnier and it's, it's, a, it's a rhythm that you don't expect it's yeah. positive it's always good to go there <laughs> and it's when the guys get eaten by a shark I said you gotta cut back up to us dancing mm-hmm. that was a disco song and yeah. so you just gotta do it and he said but we don't have time I was the and guy I said, just give me one take I said he's under David's under the David's in the, <laughs> and what in the, the shark tank sound like on the again? boat. I want to hear him. And I said, and he said, we don't have music. We don't have time for the money. We don't have music. And I said, let me talk to my music guy, and I'll give you a piece in thirty minutes. That'll be free. Just uh, yeah, that'll be. So I called yeah, my. That's awesome. I called my composer John Hunter in, in, in Austin. I said, dude, can you just give me a fam? I'm doing this movie. It's Happy Madison. David Spade's the star. We just need a, a disco song that they they can just have for yeah, free. You Farley Schwartz and just are dancing and, and <laughs> playing against me getting eaten by sharks. Yes, and he said, well, we only have time for one take. I said, I'll take it. Yeah, take it. So he did the one th- with the crane coming up while we're dancing to this disco song while you were underneath the water. And he said, it's something to cut to. You're going to yeah. want it. Yeah. If we don't have time, just do it. So we got one. Yeah. And that's what they use. So that's what you kind of hope for. Well, we're the. But what voice did you settle on? I just, I saw I, the movie. Uh, they I wouldn't just, let me do a, um, sorry, what I ended up doing was like a really low Robert Shaw. kind of guy. Well, they, they didn't want to do Robert Shaw. Shaw you know, what I, I, what I wanted to do is a guy who's uh, an alcoholic and great, you know, gravelly voice mm-hmm. and uh, low to be opposite of you. <laughs> yeah. Because that was interesting. And That's then like, good. and then you get like, and I had nothing really there. So you just create, so what do I got? So I'm, I'm the diving star. Well, this is my boat. Give me, this is my fucking boat. I'm in charge of the boat. I said, give me some stuff. And the prop guy said, what do you need? I said, give me the, give me the, snorkel and yeah, the, the respirator so does it need to work said, of course it needs to work give me the goddamn thing <laughs> and he said please turn it on give me something to do and so I started playing with it while between takes said, what's funny and I was making noise yeah and noise, noise. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just and David so and I were working together yeah. part so of the rhythm it's like a vape we, pen we were rhythm. fucking laughing yeah right? so it's and so yeah. I, I got this thing and all of a sudden <laughs> going back and, and I go back and so 
And, what, yeah. and he's about to get into the water. And as he's walking, I'm walking with him with this thing. It's <laughs> yeah. And I put it in it. So right before I pss, pss, I'm, spray, I'm pss, putting it on him and spraying it <laughs> the water. And then I put it in my mouth. And, and then I hand it to him. So you got everything. Yeah. <laughs> David, it's like, I'm now supposed to put that in my mouth. Yeah, and, David would play that. That. Yeah. and I knew yeah. he'd go with it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I remember, remember we were rehearsing <laughs> that. And I go, Rob, because it was so funny. I go, do it more. And so yes, you were going like, lick, lick. And I'm just staring at you. And then you finally go, and then you stick it and you go, and I put that in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that Great. got us out of that scene. Yeah, Big so laugh funny. to get to Great. the next scene. Funny with the sound off. Yeah. You know, just it that's so all weird. funny. And, and yeah. did it do eight? Funny with eight, the sound off. A hundred billion minutes or how many 55 minutes? 55 million views that first month. And then uh, still Great. top like, 10 go in by history. Minutes, so like a billion minutes I don't know. Back then it wasn't minutes. It was <laughs> oh, just- okay. But that was the thing. You know, smash. Funny with the sound turned off. Yes. We had an acting coach, Ivana Chubbuck. Yeah, her, she really helped. That's huge. Roy London was the first one. And then when he passed away, we, uh, mm-hmm. Ivana Chubbuck took over. And she would say, do the scene again, but without the words. So everyone knows from your physicality what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Because that you're communicating with your body, aren't you? Yeah. You should be. That's I and, Love Lucy. Yeah. That's the grapes. She would that's also tell us, use a lot of props. Really work the room. Like, it's more fun if you're doing business get and you're doing that. And that's hard to do because you're acting. You got to remember your lines. You got you to gotta match but everything. get it. Get, get the stuff. Great. And like for Deuce Bigelow, the thing about that was like- Deuce Bigelow. My <laughs> favorite thing about that, I was flying to Australia to promote the movie. And I'd never flown anybody to promote anything. Mm-hmm. So this is like a, and this is like the first starring role in any movie ever. where I was like the guy on the poster. It's like, it's cool to be on the poster and there's a billboard of you. Yeah. And it was- um, yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, let's just have a big name. It was Walt, Walt Disney Company did it. And, uh, and it was um, for Joe Roth. And I said, this is a funnier thing. It's like me naked on the side of a bus, you know, like the Burt Reynolds thing. And I was in really good shape back then. And I said, this would be funny. And I said, no. And they said, very interesting thing. I said, posters are to not lose people. Don't give people a reason to not want to oh, go see wow. it. Don't give them any yeah, edge on And I that. said, holy yeah. crap. And so I'm flying to uh, Australia because the movie did really good in America, you know, and then... Um, I just, there's, you you hear this laughter. It's hard to hear anything on a plane, mm. but you hear this booming laughter on a plane. And I go back there and they were watching my movie without the sound. Because oh, really? they didn't want to, you had to spend money to get movies back then. Oh, really wow. good sign. Yes. Really good I sign. I said, this is going to do really good everywhere. Yeah. Because, they, but they didn't pay the 10 bucks. They're just watching the movie because they can understand funny. it by the physicality because that's the way you're And you can laugh harder when it's funny with the sound off. You're not waiting for punchlines. It's yeah. just, you can just relax. And I, know. and sometimes when you're doing things and they don't, you, it's really funny. And then they could ruin it with sound. There was, oh, I'm yeah. then behaving badly, TV series. The funniest thing I did in the whole series was very frustrating because the English show was so funny. It's the only reason I agreed to do it. A and sitcom, they said, just you do the, the same night. thing, yeah. a sitcom on. NBC mm-hmm. and uh, and they just they, they instead of making it just doing the same um, episodes that they did in England they watered them down as like men apologizing badly but there was one really funny thing where it said there was I'm going to get attacked by an owl and it was in the way back and they're Foreground, and I'm just in the in the in the background while there's people in the front, which is that's hilarious. Yeah, because you could be the funny. Mm-hmm. They said, "Well, what do we have? We don't. We can't have a real owl." And I said, "Just get a stuffed owl. Just get something, and I'll I'll pretend it's attacking it. to me." Yeah. yeah. So I grabbed the beak right here, and I, I did this, and I am spinning around, and I'm going out of frame, coming back in, coming through. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting it, hitting it, hit, and then and so and that was the um, and then they put and it was it was the funniest thing I had done on that show, and then they put like when they when they came on the air. The cowardly producers decided oh, to put a, squawk, squawk, squawk. 
Squawk, which killed it. Yeah. Because it, it brought away. too much attention to it. Yeah. But I ended up redoing that for another movie, basically that idea of the far background and yeah. going back with an animal. That's the essence of, of of comedian trying to be in movies and wanting to control the rhythm. And Sandler told me early on after his success, he goes, Carvey, they don't, meaning the directors. He did a couple of movies where what, Adam didn't get to be Adam. He goes, yeah. they don't know what they're doing, Carvey. Yeah, they don't really know. It's not their fault. They don't know where to put the camera or whatever. So that 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 kind of triggers me a little bit because Scares I had experiences me, yeah. just like that. Because that's a survival like, mechanism. You yeah. know what? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, we know the funny part. Just let us do that. So and you know. and then and then if you get anybody who's going to be a director, and they usually put us with commercial directors because mm -hmm. they know where to put the camera, know how to work, and they know mm -hmm. a schedule and blah blah blah. No, quick, but yeah. they but they also have the ego of like, no, let's do it my way. Right. Yeah. And then you go, but this is what I, I wrote. Well, Penelope Spheres in Wayne's World 1 was my best director because I'd have a Garth thing and she'd go, what are you going to do here? And I'd show yeah. her. And her only direction was, could you do it 10 seconds faster? That was it. No other direction. But Just, that's actually good because I yeah, will say- I already had the character. Of, I mean, you know, and, and the thing is about doing it faster and get, cutting out the pauses yeah, is, that's, is instructive. That's, that's fine. I, you know, that's just, okay, I can do it a little shorter. I, I used yeah. to hate when like- um, you know, Dennis Dugan would say, can you do it without the pauses? Can you just do it without the pauses? Just do it tighter there without the pauses. And I said, can't you just cut it that way? And, and he said, what if I don't want to cut it? And then, then he's right. Yeah, because a single shot is best, ideally, unless the edit is a comic. Well, a that was point. the thing, like John Cleese, such a, my hero and like- um, Genius. Genius. And um, he said, you know, uh, look at the scene um, <laughs> in uh, Life of Brian, also voted as the number one comedy of all time in England. Uh, not Great that, you know, movie. you bastardize our language, but uh, but for, for English, you know, the traditional. Anyway, it's all, uh, and he said, this is the number one, this is the voted, not by me, of course, but by people who, you know, the public. So anyway, so <laughs> he said, look at the scene when Michael Palin and the, the guards are going in to, um, you know, this is, don't, this is, don't let anyone in, blah, 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 and then, unless it's him. I don't really know, and it's the guards, and they said, and then, so, okay, let anyone in. No, 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 no. Don't let anyone in, no matter what. And, and it's a very mm -hmm. intricate thing, yeah. but it's a single master shot. Yeah. And it said, it requires a lot more rehearsal, but it's worth it. They all let the audience decide where it. they want to look, because so much of direction in television direction, and we're in an era of television. Digital it, cutting. Cut just cut here, let them forth, look at this, forth, cut here, look at them. Do yeah. this movie, I, I don't really speak Spanish, that well but i just directed a film in in mexico and the the editor who's a great guy but he cuts to this and then punch in on this and i yeah. said let the audience yeah. figure it out and two shots are great where they're looking Light let the audience decide who they want to look at i feel like when i'm watching some sando specials i'm in an invisible flying chair like i'm in a i'm flying in the chair seeing the guy waist up and all of a sudden i'm way in the back and then i'm right up on his face and like you know yeah. just let it breathe it and, you know you that jaunt, that cowboy shot hold that a lot yeah don't over that's the most important shot for stand-up in those specials yeah, is the I don't know who couch it was it steve allen i mean it just became the classic shot to give a monologue yeah well, a you have, the audience has to feel comfortable yeah they have to be comfortable with you and with mm -hmm. them and and if they're and what i tell in movies it's like you know and i tell this then because i was just working with a great crew in mexico and i said listen <laughs> i said here's the thing and i would tell the the, the first ad and i, and I you know because we were getting along in days and i said you know what people never say i gotta go see that new movie i heard it was on time <laughs> <laughs> you know i get yeah. it and i tell the cinematographer who wanted to do this shot and he said and i said i said you know what they never hear you never hear an audience the people say like i gotta go see that new movie i hear the camera moves are excellent i heard it came in <laughs> under budget 
<laughs> All right, Rob, thanks for coming by. I guess I that's loved it. it. Rob, we, we Rob do it again. Schneider, all-time great on SNL, Thank huge uh, cultural influence in American comedy Fake uh, movies in the last 30 years, and uh, just uh, so really shared a lot of great times with this young man. David, we're friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like all my youngsters. I'm so proud of both of you. <laughs> Thank you. We, all right. we hope senior. he made you proud. All right, Rob. Thanks, Robert. Peace out. Be well. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 